Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio with Eli McCann. Hey. And Nick Morley. Hello there. Hey guys, how's it going? Super. So good. Let's talk about what we're currently watching. Eli, what are you watching? Uh, I'm watching a lot of things, but I was told I could only talk about one. So I'm all right. All right. We're going to keep this thing shorter. I'm going to narrow this down to the, the middle just ended like a week or two ago. And I was like probably not their target audience, but for some reason I like I latched on season one and it's been running for a long time. I don't even know how many years, but a lot of years. And I have watched every episode all the way through and it just makes me happy. And they had a great series finale because they did the thing that most shows don't do that I wish all shows did. It's the same thing Parenthood did, by the way, where they like have like this great episode. It's funny and whatever else. And then they kind of wrap up storylines. And then they don't just leave it there. They spend the last few minutes like fast forwarding a few years and showing like where everybody ends up. Yeah. Why does every show not do that? That's the closure people want. It's the closure. When when parenthood ended and they like fast forwarded like five years for some families or like 10 or whatever, they just kind of like showed like glimpses of what everybody's lives look like in the future. When that ended, I was like, I need to know nothing more about these people. How hard did you cry when parenthood ended? Um, I cried. I cried kind of hard, except I hated like half of the characters in parenthood. And so Get out. just leave. No. You're fired. OK. Adam Braverman was horrible. What? He was a horrible human being. Like, he's just mean to everybody. He has, like, this major temper. And then his wife, like, I had, like, a love-hate relationship with her because I thought she was, like, kind of mean to people. But Christina? Then, yeah, Christina. But then she had her whole cancer storyline, and that was really, like, hard to watch and touching and whatever else. And then I hated their children. Hattie? Come on, Hattie, you gotta I tell didn't me. Like Hattie. Uh, when no Hattie left Hattie. the show, it was like, thank God, because Hattie was horrible. <laughs> yeah, but I like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh, he that, was great. He they was brought great. in Michael B. Jordan yeah. in the name of Hattie, and I'm grateful to her for that. Yeah. And you can't dislike the autistic kid. Well, I mean, I disliked his storylines. Like, I wasn't that interested in them, and I felt like they put way too much emphasis on his story. There were seasons where it was like half of the episode, each episode was just about him, and it was like, this is like a big cast. Can we, like, talk about Julia and uh, what's-his-name? Because I actually like those people. I like Mae Whitman a lot in that show. Who's that? Did you really? Yeah. Who's Mae uh, Whitman? Lorelai's daughter. I don't remember any of their oh, names now. I like her, too. Yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. good. I like her and the brother. Um, uh, parenthood. I liked the grandparents. I thought they were interesting. I didn't like the first season with the grandparents. I didn't like their dynamic. Line. Yeah, really. He was a real jerk to her. He was, but it was an interesting storyline. Yeah, I liked the way they ended. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. I don't know why. We the just, middle. We talked about parenthood. The middle. So <laughs> go watch the finale if you haven't yet, because it's pretty good. What's there to like about the middle? It's just a sweet show. It's it's a feel-good. It's definitely a feel-good show, and it's relatively funny. There's one character in it, Sue, the daughter, who I think is, like, very funny. Okay. And then her gay best friend, uh, I can't think of his name, and the two of them are really funny together. And then the rest of the people in the show are just, like, mildly entertaining to watch. But I just every time I watch that show, I just, like, feel a little bit better about life. And mm. they always have, like, kind of a positive message. And it's, like, just barely not too cheesy for me to enjoy. Okay. We all need more shows like that. We do, for yeah, because sure. it's just a bunch of crap on TV. Lots lots of dark, which is often good. You know, like mm -hmm. we're into the dark storylines, but it can bring you down. Yeah. When the news is also dark. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick, what are you watching? So I kind of feel like the guy right now that is kind of like getting into like the big bands for the first time, like, oh, I'm 
I'm starting to listen to the Doors and Radiohead. <laughs> uh, so, but wow. uh, yeah, like really original. But um, I started watching Veep. Oh. Uh, welcome to the full. <laughs> right. Speaking of uplifting like, shows. Right. Seriously, and especially like when you turn on MSNBC or CNN today, and then like you watch Veep right after, it's like. I like this better. Like, yeah. Like, is politics always like this? Because this is great, which is... Yeah. Yeah. But um, adds to the legend of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's amazing, and she deserved every single award that she got sequentially. I know people were kind of pissed off about that. No, but those people can go to they, Yeah, those they, people they, are wrong. They really can. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think my favorite character is the intern that comes over. From the White House, that's always uh, brag. Uh, Jonah. Jonah. The, yeah. <laughs> so I tell this story every time Veep comes up, but I had an inter- Twitter interaction with Timothy Simmons, who plays Jonah. <gasps> what? Wherein my husband Stephen, who is also a Veep watcher, tried. To, I don't know if you've gotten to this episode yet, but you see Jonah's mother's house, and there's a portrait of Jonah from high school. Mm-hmm. That's real bad. And the artist who made the portrait for the show was auctioning it off, and Stephen bid on it. And it's this giant portrait that we could not fit in our apartment, which we lived in the time. <laughs> and so I took to Twitter and said, someone please outbid my husband on this. <laughs> Timothy Simmons saw it and was like, why don't you want this portrait of me in your home? <laughs> and we had a number of back and forth. Eventually, someone outbid Stephen, thanks to Timothy Simmons. Uh, involvement to which I'm very grateful to That's him. That's amazing. Wait, so how much was Steven's bid? Oh, like $100. And do you know what it went for? Oh, like 150 maybe. Oh, It's wow. not a good portrait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to be really committed to Veep. To so pay it's, it's going to be worth nothing. In... No, no. Yeah. Uh, it's a complete gag from the show. But mm-hmm. uh, he was delightful. I think everyone on that show was delightful. Uh, and I feel I heard a quote once from a Washington insider who said Veep is way more accurate a portrayal of Washington than House of Cards. Mm. Mm. Just the incompetence and less murders. <laughs> the, yeah. I don't know about the murders, but the incompetence. <laughs> kind of low level scandal. The right. ego. Yeah. The uh, everything's done for the sake of someone sure. seeing it. Mm-hmm. What um, are you liking about it, Nick? I, I just love the writing. Like, I think. I like shows that are kind of dry and quick. Um, like I, I feel like Thirty Rock is that way. I'm like my top two favorite shows of all time. So I'll always kind of go back to that one. But um, they're c- characters that you love seeing every episode. Like even the ones that annoy you a little bit, you still you still kind of want to see what's going on with mm-hmm. them. And Buster from Arrested Development. Um, Tony Hale. Tony, Tony Hale is just great. He's, he's so concerned for her, and mm-hmm. it's just, you want someone like Tony in your life, but not how, as... How far in are you? I'm season one, like episode five or something like that, so yeah. not... It's like a good cheese. It just gets better. Yeah, yeah it right? really and is. Like, and I feel like you can't judge a show by season one alone, because I you're kind of like, they're getting their feet underneath them, and I loved it so far, so it's only going to get gonna get better from here and normally i have to like power through a season one of a show but this has just been such a fun ride so no far. it's it's the lebron james of tv for sure it's always been good and will continue oh, to be sports good. ball sports ball uh <laughs> the nba playoffs are on obviously sure um, last night was game one of the finals and we can all thank jr smith for some of the best twitter content we've seen in a while it has been amazing why what happened 
So uh, it was tied 107 to 107. Mm -hmm. uh, J.R. Smith had possession of the ball and thought they had the lead mm -hmm. and did nothing with <gasps> the ball. What? So he just dribbled the timeout, and then you, LeBron's face looked like he wanted killed to murder. somebody. Was he wanted... everyone screaming? Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, and they were at Oakland, too. So Oakland was going nuts because oh, they were my. so excited the Warriors were going to win. And they did Gosh. win in overtime by a significant amount. Uh, so J.R. Smith is never going to live that down. How embarrassing. It, I mean, I was. You know what? That reminds me of this one time years ago. I don't know why this reminds me of that. But I was supposed to say the closing prayer at church. And I got up and said the closing prayer before the last person gave their talk. <laughs> it kind of is the same. And it was mortifying. <laughs> I was so. How did no one stop you? Embarrassing. Everyone I think was just like, were just oh, like, so what's he doing? This, and, this is happening now. And it just, I like got through it. And then they were like, okay. And they still, they just like still had the guy get up. And I was like, wait, was that not? Are we, are we not done? And I one time, I was, because I used to play the piano in church. And I one time, actually on multiple occasions, just stopped playing before the last verse. Like, I just, like, thought that that was the last verse of the song. So, wait, did you give the closing prayer again after the speaker? Um, I don't remember. No, I don't think we had one. I think the speaker did the thing, and then the, the bishop got up or whatever and was like, all right, thanks, everybody. We already had a prayer, and everybody kind of <laughs> laughed. And I think that's how it ended. And oh, it was mortifying. Amazing. And I never went to church again. Uh, true story. <laughs> I've been watching Killing Eve, which... Uh, wrapped season one on Sunday and is one of the best shows I've seen in a very, very long time. Mm. Uh, for the listeners and for myself, what platform are you watching it on? I am watching it on Amazon. We okay. paid to watch it. I'm sure okay. there are other ways to find it. It's a BBC America show. It is worth paying for. And it's called what? Killing Eve. Killing so Eve, Eve Palastri is a British MI6 agent looking for Villanelle, who is a young, hot, female assassin killing high-profile people over Europe. And they actually meet fairly early in the season. Um, so they know each other. They knew who they are, and they just keep having these strange interactions. Uh, Villanelle keeps getting away. Eve keeps trying to find her. They bump into her. Uh, it's a very intense chemistry between the two of them, um, a little bit sexual, a little bit just a lot of intrigue. And they admire each other a lot, which is a really interesting dynamic for a police agent and for a criminal. And they play on that a lot. Um, very well done. Very stylized. Music is incredible. Costuming is incredible. I loved everything about it. Okay. So. Good to know. Catch up now for season one. I'm not sure when season two comes out. It's only eight episodes. Each episode is about 40 minutes. So. Let's talk about Tully. Mm. We all saw Tolly in you preparation for today's podcast. I had a weird experience with Tolly. So I was sitting next to you in Tolly. Yeah, we went and saw it together in the middle of a work day, by the way. How lazy are we? We're just the Don Drapers of our time. Okay, so I have to tell you, it's not very often that I like a movie that I see anymore. Yeah. I just like don't. Because um, you're old. Because I'm old. And uh, But I went to this movie. I had a weird experience with it. This movie has affected me. And I only saw it yesterday. I could not sleep last night because I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I had a friend tell me that it's scarier than any scary movie that she's seen. This friend does not have children, mm -hmm. which I think makes a difference in how you perceive the movie yeah. 100%. So tell me why you couldn't sleep. 
Well, okay, so a couple of things. And Meg, I said this to you after the movie, and you said that you had the same experience. I, for the first like part of the movie, I really loved it. Then all, all through the middle part, I was like, no, I hate this movie. And then the end, I was like, no, I really love that movie. Yeah. And um, it was weird. It wasn't like I liked the beginning and hated the middle and liked the end. My opinion about the entire movie changed like that throughout it. And right. so it did a couple of things to me. One, um, it made me... I, this is why I couldn't sleep last night. I started feeling really bad about all of the people I know who are moms, and it made me feel like I need to do a better job at being like a supportive friend to people who are moms because I'm a single guy. I don't have kids, and I think that it, it is really easy for me to forget that there are a lot of people who are having like this one experience that I'm not a part of, and it's easy for me to forget how difficult that is. Yeah. And so the movie was really stressful for me for that because I'm like watching this woman – and she's kind of going through a normal thing and has, like, an abnormal experience doing it. But she's going through a normal thing of, like, trying to just, like, raise these kids that are that are really, really young. And it was really stressful for me to watch. And I was just like, man, my life, like, doesn't look anything like that. And so I don't know. That was really hard. Um, it was an interesting commentary about, like, mental health issues. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And um, I don't, it just I like couldn't I like can't get it out of my mind. Like it's like really affected me. So this was obviously an exaggerated version of what most young moms go through, what most new moms go through, whether it's their first child or their fourth. Uh, and it's not fair to say, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but not every new mom is going to experience psychosis triggered by exhaustion. Yeah, I mean it happens, but that's not the typical experience. What you mentioned is something that's very meaningful to me as a mom in that our stories aren't told a lot. Mm -hmm. The story of how hard motherhood is because you're supposed to be happy that you're a mom. And we, as a mom, I'm happy that I'm a mom, but it's not not hard. Mm -hmm. um, it is hard. It is something that you're not really supposed to talk about how hard it is um, because you should be grateful for the opportunity. Uh, you should... Everyone's done it. Every woman's done it. How hard could it be if everyone's done it? But it is, in fact, a very hard experience. And I really appreciated that story being told and being shared. And I, um, I'm very appreciative of Diablo Cody. I've read a number of interviews that she does where she talks about how hard motherhood is. She herself has three children, and I think she experienced a similar story giving birth to her third and someone like that who is such a good writer and is able to bring that story to the screen I think is a gift to every mom who sees this movie and I think every mother should see this movie. Mm. Nick what was your reaction? My reaction my favorite part about it was that when Tully comes into her life like she's this free spirit and at the beginning Marlo really envies her for, for what she has but Tully says look at what you've made. Like, this is, like, this is the dream here that, that you've done. And, like, I thought a lot back to I – have, I have one kid, um, and I thought back to when we had a baby and um, my wife would, like, look at Instagram of, like, her friends that were, like, were, were single and, like, they were going on all these trips and it's like, oh, this is what, this is what I gave up. Yeah. Um, gave up to be a mom. So it's, it's a great look at someone that, that is that free spirit but appreciating – what Marlo has done for her family and like that consistency and that that boringness that I'm doing air quotations um, <laughs> for all the listeners. But but that routine that they go through every day is 
is incredible because you're doing something that a lot of people don't have the chance to do. Uh, and it's something that, like you said, should be appreciated and that story should be told a little bit more than it is. Uh, I love the part when Tully is talking to Marlo and Marlo describes her baby as a barnacle. And right. Like, I'm going to get emotional. On a this whale or on, like, a, on a ship? Yeah, this movie was very emotional for me. She says, are you, is the barnacle, so barnacles attached to either whales or ships. Are you a whale or a ship? Because a barnacle can attach to a whale and it doesn't affect the whale. A barnacle can attach to a ship and it ruins the ship. Right. Um, and that's something you have to determine as a mother. Am mm-hmm. I going to let my kids, is that going to end who I am? Yeah. Is my whole identity going to be my children or are my kids part of my identity? We are each other's identities and we become better because of that. And I really, I've been thinking about that line a lot. Um, I interpreted the movie as totally being Marlo's subconscious, right? Mm. And what Marlo thinks she gave up in becoming a mom. She looks at Tully, who is fit and young and beautiful and free-spirited and dating Energetic. all yeah. kinds of men and women and mm-hmm. doing yeah. whatever she wants and knows everything and is, seems to be on top of everything. And Marlo thinks that's what she lost in becoming who she is now. Um, but her subconscious also kinds of kind of saves her. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it totally this totally character is the one who steps in and is like, Why are you so upset with this yeah. life? Like you have a beautiful baby. You have she's like constantly reaffirming her mm-hmm. and like trying to help her understand that the experience she's having is actually really special. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, because she does end up in the hospital mm-hmm. because of this psychosis that she's having. And uh, maybe we should explain that that the nice nurse is in fact not real. Um, and is a complete figment of Marlowe's imagination because she's so exhausted. Mm-hmm. She's not getting any sleep. Um, but it's this subconscious, this being who she's made up, who is giving her a new perspective on her life. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I think our subconscious is able to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a struggle a lot of moms have is, who am I now? I'm not the free spirit I was, but I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. The um, idea is, I think, could your past self, like if he came and visited you, would they be happy with what they're seeing? Like, and, and yeah, and it was just like her past self saying, "You've done something that so many people have wanted, and you're doing a great job at it." Like, would your past self say the same thing to you? Mm. And Nick, you touched on that, but they talk about the boringness. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I look at my life where I'm doing laundry and I'm taking out the garbage. Watching reality TV. I'm taking, <laughs> watching Jigsaw's. I'm taking <laughs> up the kids from school. Um, and maybe I write something a couple times a week. And like, yeah. is this who I am? Is this my life? But it's that routine that I used to want. You know, it right. was the life I always sought. Like, I just want to settle down. I want to have a house. I want to yep. have kids. And I lose sight of that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I need a reminder. I really appreciate that. Um, Eli, you said that you hated the first half, hated the middle, loved the end. Why did you love, hate the middle? Loved the first part, hated the middle, loved the end. Sorry. Here's why. Um, and I, I'm glad you brought this up. The thing I think I appreciated the most about the movie is that it it avoided being a cliche. And the reason why I hated the movie when, it, when the middle was happening was I thought it was becoming a cliche. So... I was at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a, a unique look at motherhood and it's kind of funny and it's kind of exhausting to watch and like, oh, this is going to be a fun movie. Then it got to the middle and this main character 
through the nanny that was a figment of her imagination, was started doing all of these like kind of awful things. Yeah. And she was like angry and dissatisfied with her life and she was dissatisfied with her marriage and she was kind of complaining about that a little bit and and um, she was going out and partying and I was like, oh no, this movie is just going to be about some mom breaking free from the bonds of motherhood right. Right. and like going out and finding herself again and they're going to get divorced and the dad's probably cheating and I thought it was going that way. Right. And so – well, because. The movie makes you think he did cheat. Yeah. yeah. It, well, just kind of. Like, yeah. they sort of throw in some subtle things. You're like, oh, this is going the way all of these kinds of movies go. And so I was like, I hate this movie. This movie sucks. Yeah. And so when it got to the end and it, and you've, like, discovered that actually all of that was a figment of her imagination as she was, like, kind of processing what was going on. And you see in the end, like, okay, dad isn't cheating. And also, he's not really a deadbeat. He's just been a little aloof to how bad her problem is. But once he realizes it, he like steps up and is like very emotional about, oh my gosh, my wife's been going through this and I didn't realize. And she's, she's, her conclusion in the end isn't, I don't love this man anymore. It's what she says in the movie. I'm sure I found the best person for me. And like, they like kind of cling to one another as they realize the tragedy that they didn't, they didn't know was going on. They like kind of find out about that tragedy that was happening and they cling to one another. And she like realizes how, um, you know, important her life is and whatever else. And so it just in the end, as it explained that whole middle part, it, I realized that they were trying to get me to think that this was going to be a cliche, but yeah. actually it was just what real life looks like a lot of the time. Uh, you also mentioned it made you think a lot about mental health issues. In what way? Well, you know, I think we – I I see people in my life do things that I think are really destructive. Yeah. And I guess I, I – it kept me up last night because I started thinking about people that I know who I think I've made or are making like really bad choices. And I have had not a lot of patience for that. And I was thinking about this movie and how this woman was making some super bizarre choices, and it was because she had had a psychotic break. Yeah. And it can be really easy to sort of dismiss those things and, you know, oh, this person's being an idiot right now. But you just never know what somebody's going through. And this woman was acting – The her husband at the end said, you know, I guess she has done some things that are out of character. And ultimately, there was a reason for that, and that reason was that this woman, like, needed some serious, like – help and support. And so it it has made me think about mental health issues sort of on a smaller scale, not the I think everybody in my life is having psychotic breaks and seeing night nannies come visit them and whatever else. But I just started wondering about, well, how many people do I know are making destructive choices because there's something going on with them that is just are these cries for help or is there something going on with them that's just really causing them to no longer see who they are or, you know, what's going on around them very accurately. And so I want to be, like, more cognizant of that type of thing now. This movie changed my life. I mean, it's interesting in this movie because her mental illness manifests itself as joy, right? Yeah. She says, I can see color again. Yeah. And she seems awake and she seems happy and she's smiley and she's with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not how we usually see mental health issues, but it is worth noting that any change in any person could be something to pay attention to. Um, A lot of people didn't like this movie for the way it treats mental illness. Uh, And a lot of people didn't like this movie for a number of reasons. I think it's important for every story 
to be told. And I think that this was one woman's story. And I think that it's unrealistic to expect every movie to have a protagonist take complete responsibility and do the right thing, right? Like, shouldn't we be able to learn from stories even when the characters do things we don't necessarily agree with? Mm. Like, there's a, a mother's group that came out and said, don't see Tully. This is not the way mental health should be taken care of after birth. And I was like, but... That's interesting Well, what, they would say that. What, what did they think? How did they think it was taken care of? What does that like mean? Like, you immediately identify a problem and get help. But one of the issues that they bring up in the movie is that their family doesn't have a lot of money. Right. And help isn't readily available to people who don't have a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I think it's good that this movie brought attention to that. Um, and I think the smarter choice for that mother's group to, would have been, like, here are some resources for someone mm-hmm. dealing with similar mm-hmm. things. So it's been interesting to see the different reactions. I know a lot of people who really hated this movie. Um, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Is this and, Jason Reitman's best movie? I liked Young Adult a lot. Hmm. It's good. Tilly's good. I like his movies. They're so honest. What are his other movies? Now? So they have, there's Juno. Yeah. Which might be his most popular one. I think Juno's pretty iconic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's a really familiar story. Up in the air, uh, mm. George Clooney, Vera Farmiga. I think it's underrated. Yeah, me um, too. I watch that movie twice a year, I think. It's it's tough. I, it's tough to watch. It really is. <laughs> um, young Adult, which you mentioned before, also Charlize Theron. Um, and now we have Tully. Um, was this your favorite? I mean, I have a special place in my heart for Juno, and I really liked Young Adult. I liked this. I, this felt the most realistic of any of his movies. The characters talk in a way that people talk. In Juno, it's just yeah, it's rapid it's, fire. It's like dialogue. a little bit too quirky for its own good. Yeah, like, um, which is a fun experience, yeah. but I don't necessarily relate to anyone in the movie where in Tully I deeply related to a number of characters. Yeah. And I think that's worth Considering when judging how good a movie is, mm-hmm. what do you think? It's almost like Up in the Air. I think was the only one that didn't have like a really happy ending to it. Um, young adult doesn't. Have young a happy adult ending. doesn't either, because um, in Up in the Air, George Clooney makes a bond with someone that's kind of just like him in a female version that travels the United States, is home less than a third of the year, uh, thinks he makes a connection, and turns out. She has a life that he doesn't with a with a husband and a family, and he has to resort to the lifestyle that he was living before, and he thought that was going to end. Uh, but I I want to think at the end of Tully that this psychosis that she goes through will be for the better. Is that yeah? Too I bold? think I think it's the most redeeming of any of his mm-hmm. movies by far. Yeah, and it does ha- end on a very happy note. It does. Uh, the, a very the family's at peace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the husband has recognized that he needs to do more, um, and they, they're happy as a family. Yeah. Not without their problems, but they're, they're going to be okay. But the husband also, like, I don't want to throw him completely under the bus because, like, he does, he is very concerned about his work, and he's very concerned about providing, and, like, there's, it, it's, it was an interesting dynamic between him and his brother-in-law, who's was very successful and seemed like to have his whole life together. It's like, hey, when I get a promotion, will your brother-in-law respect me? And so, like, it, but it was showing that, like, he was putting his own, like, priorities and needs and maybe his ego in front of what Marla was going through, too. So 
Yeah, and I feel like they did things designed to show that he maybe wasn't pulling as much weight as he should be. The right. video game every night. Yeah, every night. Yeah. <laughs> when she's trying to take care of the baby. And I think that happens. I oh, think yeah. that's a yeah. lot of family dynamic. And it's hard to come home from a day of work to more work. Yeah. But that's kind of but the price you pay for That's what young you sign children. up for. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, he wasn't an extreme. He wasn't extreme in either direction. Yeah. No, exactly. And so, uh, I mean, she says partway through the movie when she's out in the hot tub talking to Tolly. And Tolly's like, well, does he, you know, is he helped? Does he help? And she's like, yeah, he works hard all day at his job. And then he comes home and he helps with the kids. At some point, he goes up and starts playing his video games. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, no, he has nothing to do with the family. That's never like the accusation. It's just like I could use more help than what he's giving. Well, and there's never any point in the movie where um, Marlo shows any – any sort of hatred toward her husband. Yeah. No. She only yeah. ever speaks well of him. Yeah, no um, resentment in that way. It's more the movie that's showing you that yeah. everyone else in her life could have done more yeah. to help her. And I think that's the takeaway is we all need to be more aware of mothers or of anyone who may be suffering with a mental illness. Um, final thought, because we need to wrap up, but yeah. I thought this movie was very well cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Super well cast. Charlize Theron, who I know this... It's kind of silly to talk about, but she gained a fair amount of weight for this role, which is part of why new motherhood is so challenging. Your body isn't mm. really your body, and you're dealing with that on top of everything else. And she showed that really well. The costume designer dressed her in clothes that weren't flattering mm-hmm. and were ill-fitting, and I thought that was a smart move. I thought the husband was very well cast. Tully was very well cast. I loved everyone in it. It would have been harder to take the movie as seriously as we did if they just had some, like, young hot mom, you know, right. whatever, right. that's just, like, that's not what moms look like. Right. You know? Well, and Charlize Theron is beautiful. She I is mean, beautiful. and But she looks like a she looks like a mom in the movie. Yeah. yeah. She does. Um, which yeah. I think is something she realized needed to happen. I think Diablo Cody realized that needed to be a part of the movie. Um, and I think it was a really smart move. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what Mackenzie Davis will do next. Um I think she's going to be making great stuff for a really long totally. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, she kind of had, like, little – I looked at her IMDb before this just to see if she'd been in anything really big, and The Martian was her biggest thing, and she okay. only played, like, a minor role in that. But she was in, like, the best episode ever of Black Mirror, and she's had a big role in this. Oh, I think we're going to see – That's where I recognize her The San Juan episode, yeah. yeah. I was wondering why um, I recognized her. I'm, I'm really excited to see what else she's going to do because I thought she was excellent. I mean, and, she's magnetic. She shows yeah. up on screen yeah. and you are, you can't look away. Yeah. Her. Right. Yeah. And she reminds me of a young Juliette Lewis where like a little, a little volatile, like you're never really sure what she's going to do next. Mm. Mm-hmm. I really like she that. could either be like crazy bohemian girl that lives in Brooklyn or she can be like a student at Stanford that's studying yeah. accounting. Like she, <laughs> I think she's really diverse and she's going to be fun to watch for a long time. Mm. Totally. Any other Closing thoughts? No. Do we Go all, see the movie. Do we all recommend this movie? Are you ready yes. for my closing prayer? <laughs> <laughs> what wasn't late, that like yeah, 10 minutes it's ago? It's not quite time yet. <laughs> um, I, think, I think everyone should see this movie. I think if you know moms, I think if you are a mom, I think if you're considering being a mom, you should know if you're considering being a mom, this is an atypical experience, but it is hard. Um, it is. Mm-hmm. It is hard in a way people don't talk about. Um, it's an important story that needs to be told. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. The uh, fourth season just appeared on Netflix, mm-hmm. so we'll be covering that. Like manna from heaven. Uh, so, yeah. <gasps> See you next
see you then. Okay. Thanks, guys.